I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there and you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects? Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto. And I'm Matt Bernico. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. This week we are talking with folks from Friendly Fire in Philadelphia, specifically Margot, Michael, and Chris, my favorite folk trio. Uh, we have done a couple episodes on friendly fire in the past so we encourage you to check those out um one with uh sung and Catherine, um and then another one with sung later on uh so really good stuff but it's always nice to to kind of check in and see what they're up to friendly fire is such a cool thing to exist and it makes me feel i don't know a little bit better about the world i guess um Like in every episode, we think about all these like really cool past Christians uh, who, you know, uh, established people's churches or uh, joined the Communist Party or whatever. Um, and we think about how cool they are. But in this episode, we're going to just talk to some people who are alive right now and doing the same thing. <laughs> people that the uh, the Magnificasters 50 years from now will make episodes about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Magnificast, Magnificast, uh, <laughs> a podcast about a podcast that happened 50 years ago. Yeah, when we will it to uh, to younger Christian leftists in our wills, um, they'll have to figure all this out. <laughs> they'll have to do it. It's not a will, it's a curse. We'll, pa- yeah, we'll pass it on to them. That's true. That's how podcasts work. They're sort of like a magical curse that uh, just gets bestowed upon you. Yeah, like you hand them an, an old uh, folded up piece of paper and they unfold it and it has like the logo of your podcast on it and then they're stuck with it forever. Oh no. <laughs> All right, well, um, hey, let's just uh, get this curse right underway and get talking to these friendly fire <laughs> folks. <laughs> This week on the Magnificast, we're uh, talking with some folks from Friendly Fire. Uh, we've got Margot, Michael, and Chris. Uh, do you all want to just uh, introduce yourselves to get us kind of started? Yeah, I'm Margot. Um, I'm Friendly Fire and the IWW. I'm Michael. I'm with Friendly Fire, the IWW, the GC, way too many, too many uh, acronyms. Uh, and I also study philosophy of religion. And I'm Chris, and I I also work with Friendly Fire, and I'm also in the IWW. (laughs) Nice. Real wobbly group over there. For sure. (laughs) Uh, 
Um, well, thanks again for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Really appreciate that. Uh, also, it's cool that we caught you guys on a Tuesday because um, you guys have your you were just saying your prayer meetings tonight. Um, maybe we could just start off talking a little bit about that. Um, there's a lot of things that we want to sort of get on the table, but we thought it might be fun to also just give a little snapshot of like the kind of spiritual life that you guys are trying to develop. Um, that's something that we've touched on a little bit in the past when we've talked to um, to Haysung in particular. Um, so yeah, I don't know what's that um, that gathering like, and maybe you know what like what did you guys do tonight? What's a sort of Tuesday gathering look like for you guys? Yeah, so uh, so Tuesday nights are typically typically when we do our unprogrammed Quaker style meeting. Um, so you know it's it's fairly open to the public. Uh, you know we gather here typically at my apartment, um, and uh, we usually just do a you know a silent meditate uh, silent prayer. Um, you know, following the traditional Quaker unprogrammed meeting where, you know, when one feels compelled to speak, you do so. Um, we change it up a little bit. We don't really put a limitation on how many times someone can speak. You know, traditionally it's uh, speaking once, uh, but we really encourage, you know, however many times you feel compelled to speak, you do so. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's a typical Tuesday for us. And once a month, we'll also do a, a big meal, you know, a communal meal uh, with a shorter prayer. Uh, so that's the Tuesday meeting. There's another meeting that you guys do as well, right? The programmed worship is on Saturday mornings, usually at my house. It's been on hiatus for the last couple of weeks just because we've all been really busy. Um, we'll probably talk about the uh, anti-fascist stuff that happened uh, last weekend um, a little bit later. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, um, because normally we'd be meeting for programmed worship at the time that we were instead telling the Proud Boys to get the hell out of Philadelphia. Yeah, so that tends to follow the Book of Common Prayer morning worship format. Yeah, so it's a bit more what you'd see in like a mainline Protestant kind of group. In those cases. That's so neat. Um, it's so cool that you guys, I don't know, all found each other and just um, are doing this as both activists and Christians. How did that start? Is there like a, is there a, an origin story, a friendly fire? I guess Friendly Fire um, really kind of came to be in Philadelphia as a um, as a whole. Uh, this past May for the May Day Retreat is when it kind of, uh, the people came together and started building um, the base for what we saw Friendly Fire to be um, in our prayer. Yeah, it started out with a more BCP style mm -hmm. um, worship as well. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, well, when it was um, shortly, shortly after Mario came to Philadelphia, I think that we really started meeting regularly. Um, it was, I think Mario, Haysung, and I are the ones who are still most active that were there at the start of the Philadelphia Friendly Fire formation. I'm really excited to talk more about how the... Um the kind of really like eclectic spirituality that Friendly Fire develops um, works on the ground. Uh, and we can get into that in a minute. Um, but I thought also it might be interesting to mention right at the top some of the political stuff um, that you've been involved in, especially recently as well, um, just to kind of get the, the two sides of the Friendly Fire on the, on the table. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the actions you've been involved in. Um, you were a big part of the Occupy Ice stuff in Philadelphia uh, over the summer. And then more recently, the anti-fascist rally you were just mentioning. Um, so yeah, how does how does Friendly Fire kind of factor into those lefty things while you're also you know meeting for prayer? Yeah, I guess um to start the 
we like the one at the beginning of the summer, the uh, the Occupy Ice in Philadelphia. Uh, Friendly Fire went into it kind of as a as a way to accompany the left in Philadelphia as it was uh, moving into this into this mass action. Um, I remember one of the one of the funnier and also more beautiful and intense moments was the exorcism that was performed <laughs> on the ice building. Um, that was an idea that Michael had actually. I think somebody else had mentioned it first, but then I was the one who got super excited and actually like yeah. researched what the uh, traditional exorcism prayer looked like. I know it was <laughs> yeah, initially maybe. I think it w- either he's another person. But anyway, it was this space um, at the occupation. There were so many people there, and they, everyone there in that moment gathered around as um, two people from Friendly Flyer. I yeah. think it was me and you, so yeah. it was Marco and Michael, uh, performed an exorcism on the ICE building. And it was kind of beautiful because afterwards a lot of people came up and were saying, you know, it was really amazing to see these images that I grew up with um, in this space. And it kind of healed a little bit of like what what it could be to believe in God and um, also continue um, as a leftist and be a leftist who is like a spiritual and mystical. Um, so then after that, there was um, a meeting that happened on the uh, at the Occupy Ice. So like um, people came together and prayed in like a Quaker style meeting. Um, people from different religions, different faiths uh, came together in that space. So it became kind of a space of healing and um, um, respite and that kind of craziness that was the occupation <laughs> that's so cool uh, i remember seeing the seeing some videos of that exorcism going around on twitter at the time um and they were shared by people who seemed to meet to not be in friendly fire and they were just like something really wild's going on i can't really figure it out but i'm like taking this video of it <laughs> and i thought that was like super cool uh really really neat way of uh, using that spiritual imagery but also like trying to connect with it in a a way that isn't like ironic necessarily, but just seeing what kind of power is in that symbolism. um, That's really an amazing thing, I think. Yeah. I think one of the really beautiful things about Friendly Fire is the, like the um, thing that I enjoy about it is co-opting like those religious symbols, especially the symbols of my youth, like growing up Catholic, being able to take those things that um, really formed my imagination and apply it to um, like my organizing and um, like those prophetic demonstrations um, because it gives a space to like also pull other people in with that same shared experience. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I noticed um, because I, I'm, we all run in other leftist circles besides yeah. um, Friendly Fire alone. I mean, you heard all of us say we're wobblies, but I think at that point I was the only one of the three of us who was a wobbly. Mm-hmm. And within wobblies, um, mostly like atheists and it was almost a uh, universally positive response. One exception, but like everybody else was really um, happy with it. I know we cut it a little bit short and some people had said we shouldn't have. There was also a really neat thing that happened between me and another Wobbly who was there where like we were both exhausted after the first couple of days of this. We uh, had been arrested and um, were just kind of overwhelmed and we're talking about how tired we were via um, messenger and this person is um practices like wicca witchcraft types of things and offered to do a like restorative spell for me and um i uh prayed for her on my rosary and that was a really cool kind of experience 
cool. I guess ripping off a few of these points that you guys are bringing up here, Friendly Fire definitely seems kind of like a, an interesting uh, Christian interfaith activist group that definitely draws a lot on Quakerism. Um, at least that's kind of how I heard about it in the beginning um, was through, uh, yeah, people who are mainly interested in Quakerism, I suppose. Um, but you guys also have some elements of other types of Christian expressions as well. And it's clear that, you know, Friendly Fire isn't just for Quakers. Uh, so can you tell us about the denominations and spiritualities present within Friendly Fire? Is it um, only Christians? Are there non-Christians? Are there other people of different faiths as well? Or uh, how does that work out? So, uh, yeah, we're actually, uh, I would say that we are, we are pretty diverse in our uh, our flavors of religion. Uh, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term. So, and, and for clarification, this is Chris speaking. So uh, myself personally, I'm Muslim. Um, I was raised Catholic, but I, uh, I've been Muslim now for going on six years or so. Um, and while we are predominantly Christian, I think that we have a, especially because, you know, we do this weekly worship where it's unprogrammed and just by very, the virtue of what it is, is welcoming to people of all sorts of different faith traditions. You know, we've had people here who, you know, do work in, you know, all sorts of esotericism. And, uh, you know, we, we had a chaos magician here before. Um, so it's, uh, it really is kind of open to whoever wants to come, you know, and I think it's, we've been talking about this a lot lately, and it's really important uh, to us to not limit ourselves in that sort of way, because frankly, being, you know, religious and on the left already kind of puts us in a sort of minority and to try and limit ourselves even further by saying that we're one flavor of Christianity or explicitly Christian or explicitly whatever, it, it really doesn't do us any service. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to unite all sorts of people on the left who, you know, follow any sort of mystic tradition or feel any sort of calling to faith. Uh, and that that's really what's important to us. And I think that we try and, you know, we try really hard to, you know, make that true uh that's really neat um it kind of reminds me of uh so we always say that we're not theologians on this podcast and that's true we're not um but one time i'm pretty sure that someone had told me that church actually just means assembly i don't know if that's true or not but i'm i believe that is for now anyway <laughs> it sounds good to me um so maybe you could say a little bit about like how friendly fires worship gatherings uh lead to that different kind of assembly you're kind of already getting into it in terms of that spirituality um, I mean, does meeting together in an unprogrammed way with people of different uh, traditions or, or kind of spiritual biographies, like, does that sort of encourage uh, a certain kind of solidarity or like a certain kind of openness within, you know, like when you're present at a struggle or something like that? Um, what kind of like community do you think is sort of being uh, being born out of that that sharing experience? Yeah, so this is Michael. I think I'll take a chunk of that one. Um, we actually, you know, we talked about this a little bit before uh, the call and one of the big things that we sort of see is like a unity and because we have this sort of unity in a vision of a better world in the here and now a lot of how it how our assembly expresses itself is directed towards some kind of action so one good example of this is we had uh, during the prison strike we had a unprogrammed worship actually outside of the um police headquarters here in philadelphia and so that wound up being a healing space for a lot of people who've been recently brutalized by the police at various protests including occupy ice and then afterwards because once again i love doing this uh we did an exorcism of the police headquarters as well which involves a lot of me screaming through a mic at the police about how uh if they don't change their ways they're going to hell so um 
a lot of it too does involve a lot of openness to various ways of expressing spirituality. I'm definitely one of the uh, super orthodox members of the group. I'm uh, I was raised Lutheran and I have my copy of the Book of Concord and I know exactly where it is in my house. Um, so I think a lot of personally what I get here is this broadening of my experience of what God can and does look like, um, what it is to be sort of in touch or in communion with the divine in whatever way you want to phrase that. Huh, that's cool. Yeah, that's super cool. I, I like this. I like this so much more than I thought. <laughs> Margo, Chris, do you, do you guys have any, other, any insight into that as well? Like what has that assembly sort of meant for you guys? I think for me, um, so I was um, raised Catholic um, and it formed a lot of um, like my, my own imagery and how I imagine things, how I approach the world. So no matter what, Catholicism is like this thorn in my side that <laughs> I can't really get rid of because it's also part of my own like cultural make cultural makeup. Like it, it informs a lot of like the practices that I have culturally, um, like specifically as like a Cajun. Um, and a lot of it has to do with dancing and weird like magic rituals that grandmothers would do uh, behind closed doors. And so um, that's not something I can leave behind just because I believe that capitalism is bad and it needs to be destroyed and we need to build a better world. Like that's something that pushes me into that. Um, whether I like it or not, it's there with me. Um, so I like, I like that, like what drew me into friendly fire was like that, um, going back to the, to the heart of what these things are. Um, and for me, like that's Christianity. Um, that's the heart of where I'm at. And, um, it teaches me to to build a new kingdom, to build a kingdom that belongs to the poor, or there are no poor. Yeah, and for me at least, this is, uh, and this is Chris, um, this has helped me heal a lot of, uh, this assembly has helped me heal a lot of trauma that I've had, you know, with my relationship to Christianity, uh, specifically Catholicism, but, you know, just my relationship in general with, you know, the church, you know, Christians. Um, it, it has been, you know, for a really long time, you know, I... I after leaving the Catholic Church when I was 13 or so, I, you know, I jumped around to a lot of religions and, you know, kind of did that wandering the desert sort of period in my life. Um, you know, all the way to one point, you know, I was living in a monastery getting ready to take monastic rites, you know, at a Zen uh, monastery. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was me running away from Christianity. Uh, and even now, you know, coming to Islam, being here, you know, organizing with Christians, you know, my partner, who's also part of Friendly Fire is a Christian. Um, it's helped me find the love that I once felt, you know, within Christian spaces uh, and, you know, accessing a lot of the, you know, the good that comes with following someone like Jesus. Um, and yeah, so, so spending this time, you know, that's often very intimate with Christians. It's, it's really helped me inform my own spirituality and, you know, heal and act a lot of the you know youthful spirituality I felt as a kid growing up Catholic if I can jump in really quick I think another thing about um friendly fire is that it is really against an idea of like Christian supremacy um in this space like it's not a space that dominates the oh sorry um I think one thing about friendly fire is that it um it's a space that doesn't like 
have this like Christian supremacy or it's, it's, it's trying not to have this space that is Christian supremacy. Um, so it's open to like the, the broad spectrum of mystics of the left. And there aren't that many spaces that allow for that kind of chaos. Um, but I think it's a holy chaos and it's a good chaos that creates conflicts that bring us closer together. That's cool. I really like the way that you put that. It's very inspiring. I don't, uh, I mean, I'm not a very like chaotic person in my own personal life. So part of that sounds like kind of a nightmare to me, but also like, in a in like a very good way like i'm sort of asking myself why i'm actually kind of not (laughs) like not into something that's so like clearly awesome like really working out in philadelphia so that gives me a lot to think about (laughs) if it makes you feel any better um well i personally love the unprogrammed worship i also i have a strong space in my heart for the programmed worship which is one of the things i actually love about friendly fire is there's a lot of room for various modes of approaching uh spirituality in community that's cool that's cool that it's open to so many sort of expressions i like that a lot well um so not only are you all um part of friendly fire in one way or another but you're all also part of the iww i think this is part of the probably the first time that we've actually had folks from the iww on so that's pretty neat um 91 episodes is uh too long probably for that um well so um on that point, though, like, what are the what are the uh, industrial workers of the world up to? Um, are there other people of faith there? Uh, what's it like to be sort of a person of faith uh, and also organizing with the wobbly? Yeah, so this is Michael. Um, we all sort of decided that I should probably be the one to answer this because I actually just earlier this evening was joking that my personal sort of mission work is to get everybody to join the IWW. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, as this question came up, they literally just put on their IWW cap, you know, lower the cap on their brow, so uh, they're ready. An actual hat. <laughs> no, I'm wearing an IWW hat right now. Um, so, there's a number of different things the IWW is up to here in Philadelphia. Um, the current branch here in Philadelphia is relatively young. It's just over about a year old that's been in like its chartered form it existed prior to that as a much smaller organization and one of the difficulties in that is that when a labor union is small it makes it hard to get the ball rolling but as we've been growing we're taking on a number of different uh organizing projects we're hoping to work more sort of in coalition should also say that I'm not officially speaking on behalf of the IWW here because <laughs> I could get in trouble for not making that clear. As far as people of faith go, there are a few like people who aren't really involved in Friendly Fire who are religious who are IWW members. And it's also been sort of a joke um, that to be sort of one of the really regular members of Friendly Fire means that you're going to join the IWW. Um, mostly because I won't stop harassing you until you do. Uh, um, as far as like the second question, what's it like to be a person of faith in a wobbly? I don't know if there's anything really sort of specific um, about it. I mean, like there have been a number of people of faith that have had different levels of interaction with the IWW. Um, I know that you're going to be talking about that in the course you're teaching. Uh, because I listen yeah, that's to Thanks for that free free plug. <laughs> your podcast, your podcast is great, and so I've been hearing about. It. Especially because the way the IWW is set up is that it doesn't have 
I mean, we have our sort of basic line, which is like a political line, which is the preamble to the Constitution, which is a great piece of writing, and I recommend everybody read it. The IWW is more about method, which gives a lot more space for um, variance in belief. Um, its methodology is technically called revolutionary unionist. It's got a lot of overlaps with anarcho-syndicalism, but you're not required to be an anarchist to be part of the IWW either. And I think something sort of similar applies as far as religion goes. The IWW is very explicitly not taking any kind of stand on religion. I think those of us who are religious and wobblies have a lot of people to look up to. Um, does that resonate with uh, the other two of you as like fresh wobblies? Uh, like like toddler wobbly i mean so i'm effectively like total newborn wobbly i literally just paid my first dues on sunday so <laughs> so i'm like as new as you can be but from the one meeting i would agree so i guess i could speak a little bit i'm also still a baby wobbly but by um six months i mean i'm not exactly a long-term wobbly, but I studied wobbly. Well, I'm a, I'm a lazy wobbly. I don't wobble too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of the beautiful things I saw about the IWW and that, like, kept me in the IWW, because I, after I joined, I was kind of like, oh, like, should I really be here? Like, will I be any use here? Or some, some thoughts like that. I remember um, I was uh, experiencing, like, some hardship at my workplace, um, where my boss was like threatening to fire me because of like an injury that I had uh, like I had gotten at my workplace, and then later had messed up even more. Um, and the Wobblies all just like gathered around me, so it was like this beautiful um, image of community that um, I think a lot of Christians, you know, hope for in their churches. But like we're seeing like this beautiful image of like what is called Christian community in a non-Christian, not and non-explicitly Christian space. So. I think it's a model for the church, especially for those who are in the church. That's really neat. Uh, finding those kind of like analogs between the IWW and the church is cool. Um, probably like really productive thing to think about. Um, well, I guess that that helps us kind of ask another question. So we asked Taesung and, and Catherine this in the past, but we can ask you guys as well. Um, Friendly Fire is like a really interesting thing because it isn't just a, a religious experiment. But it's also a leftist experiment because you draw from a lot of different leftist tendencies. Um, how does that work? Like, are there any tensions that come up when you're organizing? Is it generally kind of easy to work on projects together? What's it like to negotiate your associations outside of Friendly Fire um, within that organization? I don't know. How, how does all that mix up together? I don't know. Sometimes I think that um, one, of the, one of the funny things is um, there's so many different tendencies <laughs> within Friendly Fire. I mean, I think just on this call, we have... I'm an anarcho-syndicalist. <laughs> I'm like a Leninist slash soft anarcho-Maoist. <laughs> I'm works is really my tendency, but I like to say Maoism. Um, but it's, it's this kind of interesting model of what a lot of people call left unity, but I don't even think left unity is the right term because we operate like all doing our own things, but together as like a community and then doing things together as well on the things that we agree with. Yeah. And I, I think too, you know, what's important is, and you know, this, this often comes up, you know, because after our prayer meetings, you know, there's often some, you know, just general conversation and, you know, politics tend to come up. I think what's really important is that, one thing we do really well is we all understand that regardless of our, you know, flavor of left, we really kind of 
have we re, we recognize that we have shared goals. You know, the biggest shared goal being you know the dismantling of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there there are obviously further overlaps. Uh, so I think that that really you know that that same spirit that we apply to our openness of you know whoever wants to come to these unprogrammed meetings that we do and the organizing that Friendly Fire you know wants to do and you know things like our you know retreat that we did last year and the one that's coming up you know this upcoming year um, is this this notion that you know we have to come together we have to work together find our common goals and work towards those and you know that's that's a similar model that's you know taken in you know the IWW. Um, are working towards these common goals. And I think that that's, that's really important to all of us. Um, and I think that comes through in the, the organizing that we do also. Yeah, I think um, most of what I've seen, at least personally, um, like the furthest any tension goes is a bit of like friendly <laughs> shit talking, uh, <laughs> which does come up a bit, uh, both in, like from the uh, standard communist versus the anarchist variants, oh like shit talking goes both directions. Uh, so, um, but that's really as far as I see it, and um, I think there's a lot of strength to be had in that. Like we have a thing that we're doing, and it's sort of relatively clear. I think it's sort of the same thing in the IWWs. There's like an idea of like here's what we're supposed to be doing, and we see it here as well um, in Friendly Fire, and if you're on board with doing doing the thing uh then it's not a huge concern exactly which theorists you treat as sort of the gold standard or whatever else yeah do you all think that sorry this isn't a question we plan on asking you but i'm gonna do it anyways um do you all think that since you uh, meet together regularly for worship and kind of share some kind of like bigger experience than just being anarchists and communists and whatever. Do you think that kind of contributes to the willingness to work together, even though you are, you know, you do have these sort of differences in uh, political tendency? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, we also have this, this strong familial sense about us too. Um, you know, we, beyond the organizing, beyond the, the meetings, the end of the day we really do care about all of each other we care about our well-being each other's well-being and i think that 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 translates to how you know how we meld together for organizing but i think more importantly also gives us a model to inform ourselves when going out and interacting you know with the the people who aren't directly organizing with us whether it's wobblies whether it's people we you know whether it's other groups that we come into contact with at any number of protests it, it informs a way for us to reach out and find ways to connect that, those people. And I think that, that that's really, that's kind of what it's all about, you know? Yeah, that's really neat. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you break bread together or whatever, you should maybe uh, find ways to navigate those differences in a way that's, like, productive and, and maybe, uh, like, gentle teasing or whatever <laughs> instead of, uh, I don't know, like, the kind of thing that threatens to, to tear you apart. Um, I think that's a really neat, neat thing. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about I guess uh, a couple of the the actions that you've been involved in. Um, I want to ask Margo specifically something about the Occupy Ice Rally, but uh, maybe in a minute, because I also think it would be good to get a couple other things on the table. Um, so if if one of you could talk just really quickly about the anti-fascist rally that just happened, um, tell those proud boys what's what. Uh, and then secondly, um, the, the retreat that y'all are planning, um, that might be like a, a really 
cool thing and especially the tree it's like important to kind of get out in front of it um for listeners who might be interested right so about the anti-fascist event that happened so there was it was a it wasn't the kind of anti-fascist event that has become sort of the public consciousness. There were people in Black Bloc there, but that was not the predominant factor. It was um, just large turnout of people, all of whom were unified in saying the Proud Boys need to buzz off. Yeah, so as far as Friendly Fire's presence there, we didn't have like a super visible presence. Um, a lot of people, I'd say, on the left in Philadelphia know about us at this point. Um and a few of uh, few of us are recognizable as being members of Friendly Fire, and we were there. We were uh, with a lot of Wobblies um, because that's where our major overlap is. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were mostly just looking through the crowd, trying to pay attention, make sure that people were safe as much as we could. Yeah, I mean, uh, and this is Chris here. At one point, we actually we identified that you know there was a proud boy on our side of the. Uh, the protest, and we we eventually got a bunch of people, including some wobblies, together, and we uh, basically just screamed at them until they got the the hell out of the uh, that side of the protest. Um, yeah, and, and later on, there was also you know Michael and I here got in the face of some police officers and were you know telling them how soulless they were. So uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was really our main presence at uh, <laughs> at that uh, counter protest. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good practice. Yeah. It turned into a little riffing session for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, they were they were arresting someone uh, and throwing them into a paddy wagon. So they had set up with a, a line of bicycles and they were trying to trying to push the crowd back. Uh, yeah, and we just gotten right up right up against the bikes and we're just you know staring them down and you know telling them how bad they were for you know protecting Nazis and you know how soulless they were and they were damned and all, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think it started with me asking one uh, how it felt to be a fascist collaborator. And when I eventually got no response, I said, oh, there's nothing. Okay, that makes sense. And then we just went from there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, that was really our, uh, <laughs> our biggest contribution to uh, that kind of press. Well, not even though, you know, we, uh, you know, there was a, a big effort for getting out and trying to reach out to the people in the, the surrounding neighborhoods, the, where this rally was taking place and, you know, the, the weeks coming, leading up to the rally. Uh, you know, just trying to reach out and tell people, you know, in general, not with any sort of political agenda or as as necessarily a, an outfit of friendly fire, uh, but just trying to get people out, you know, mobilizing liberals and just trying to build as much mass as possible. So it doesn't have to be an explicitly black block counter protest. It can be, you know, a nonviolent counter protest where, you know, there were <laughs> the official the official numbers, something like 75 Proud Boys were there, but the it looked like a crowd of twenty, and there was at least a couple hundred people in the on the other side. So uh, I would say that that was a big thing, you know, it's just reaching out to the the people in the city, you know, living around the area, trying to mobilize them. So cool. Um, well, what about the um, what about the next friendly fire retreat? We heard from Haysung last time around about it, but what's planned this time? Is there anything that you're really looking forward to about it? Yeah, so for me, the theme is very exciting. Um, and I think for everyone who's planning it right now, or even who has heard of it, uh, the theme is another church is possible. Um, dual power. No. No? <laughs> 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 that was, uh, that was K-Song yelling out in the background. <laughs> Militant discipleship. Dual power and the end of the world. 
<laughs> I'm excited about both of them. Yeah, they're both good names. <laughs> yeah, they're both very good names. <laughs> very good things. So the big thing for me is um, talking about um, what is possible uh, together moving as a community and, and building up a religion that comes from the base. And not even religion, just like this um, shared belief that comes up from the base that is formed in whatever space, whether it's Philadelphia or Minneapolis or New York. Yeah, and it's um, I think this time around it's plan to be a bit longer than the previous one with a lot more opportunities to hear from people involved in um, not just the Philadelphia Friendly Fire community because there are other people who are involved in Friendly Fire doing their own thing in other cities. Um, we just happen to be sort of the one with the largest uh, social media presence. But um, also, yeah, just an opportunity to hear from this sort of national community again and um also other people who are interested in showing up for these things and the opportunity to have lots of different workshops on um anything from theory to very practical types of activities um there's some talk about a potential fermentation workshop uh, <laughs> which i would personally be looking forward to um so yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's it's really important, you know, the there's kind of been this overarching theme, at least coming from me, um, of collaboration, you know, coming together to work towards these common goals. And especially as, you know, once again, religious leftists are, you know, a, a small slice of the, the total amount of leftists. So, you know, coming together, you know, through this distributed network of people all over the country, you know, coming together in one place, praying together you know, meditating on our goals together and trying to figure out a way to move forward together as a, a friendly fire, um, I think is really important. And, you know, while also being able to just, to just be able to enjoy each other's presence, um, gain insight from one another, enjoy food with one another. Uh, and, you know, as Michael was saying, you know, learn some practical skills along the way. I, I'm really hoping to, you know, teach a sauerkraut workshop. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, that's I think that's why we're so excited is this kind of this this opportunity to come together, you know, build this build this new church. You know, that that's kind of, you know, what this is all about. Another church is possible. Figuring out a way to, you know, have this very grounded and significant spiritual presence outside of capitalism. And I think it moves even beyond, like, whenever we, whenever we say another church is possible, it moves beyond even our concept of, of what is church. We're not talking about founding another church. That would be <laughs> another thing completely. What we're talking about is moving beyond um, this um, kind of thing that is created for us. Um, there's a quote from Herbert McCabe um, that says, just as the Marxist um, patient, just as the Marxist waits for the disillusionment of the state, so too does the Catholic wait patiently for the disillusionment of the church. Um, and I think that that's, this, that's this, the space that we're moving into is um, a space beyond um, the church or the temple or this organized um, uh, way, way of belief. Hmm. That's really cool. Really exciting. Also, like one of my favorite McCabe quotes as well. Um, so I do that a lot. Uh <laughs> It's so great uh, to, I mean, we've done a couple episodes on this theme of like the people's church, uh, which has sprung up kind of 
um, seemingly unconnectedly uh, in a number of different places, like in the labor movement in a few places, uh, among the young lords um, in New York City, uh, and like a few other places as well. And it's it is really neat, like you were just saying that you know there's a there's a ground um, of like solidarity that kind of just encourages thinking about church differently. And like, what would it mean to actually talk about that and try to articulate it? I think it's like a really valuable thing just to like take a step back and, and try to get a bunch of people to like think together, but also like do it together. Like uh, the people's church might just have to know a lot about like making sauerkraut or pickles or something. That's cool. I dig that. Uh, yeah, philosophy and theology and like organizing is awesome. But uh, hi, this is now a podcast about making sauerkraut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good. Um, I love making fridge pickles. I love uh, fermenting stuff my fave so i think uh that has made me more interested than anything right now (laughs) i'm also just i'm also just kind of hungry too i think so that's got something to do with it but that sounds great um cool well i think maybe to start wrapping up this conversation um we were hoping uh margo that you would um maybe read something that you'd written previously um about the occupy ice rally after it was over you um well i mean you got arrested that was a thing but you wrote a really uh, amazing reflection on the Friendly Fire website, and uh, we were just hoping that you could read it for us. Would you be willing? Yeah, totally. Um, so it's, it's something that's always interesting to come back to because um, it's just a very, um, as much as it, it was a moment of like a lot of chaos and fear, it was also such a strong moment of solidarity, and it sealed um, a lot of deep camaraderies um, that are now like a, a central part of my life. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how what the state does to, like, to destroy us is really what um, builds us up together and stronger as a community. Um, yeah, I can read it. Uh, we were on the first line of protesters, and we were given no warning. Bike cops began pushing forward. Officers kicked as they stepped over to arrest us. I had a rosary in my hands. I was praying to Mary, the mother of liberation. As the officers forced my hands behind my back, I heard them screaming, she has a rosary, she has a rosary. I felt them rip it from my hands. They broke it, threw it on the ground, and stomped on it in front of me. I continued to pray as they dragged me through the street, as they hit my head on the van again and again, as they drove the van with me hanging out, my legs still on the sidewalk. I thought of the thousands of immigrants whose rosaries were taken from them as they crossed the border. I thought of the children who cry every night begging for their parents. I thought of Christ being violently arrested and beaten. And I considered myself blessed to share in his wounds. While my brothers and sisters are held captive, I too am captive. While my brothers and sisters are beaten, I too am beaten. This is the body of Christ. And I will not allow his body to be broken and separated by man-made borders. It's time to abolish ice. Man, uh, it is a really powerful thing that you wrote. uh, And it feels even more powerful hearing you read it, actually. Um, So thank you for doing that. Uh, It's something I always come back to, like, I don't know why, but in my, like, in my browser, when I start typing in, like, certain words, this particular page (laughs) always comes up. Um... So maybe, like, the internet is just providentially directing me back towards it over and over. Um, Thank you, Google, I guess. Uh, But rereading it now and kind of hearing you read it now, I can't really help but also think of, like, the the migrant caravan that's coming to the U.S. border. Um, 
So, you know, how, like, how do you think that Christians can be in solidarity with them, both mystically and materially? So you have this kind of mystical experience um, by virtue of being materially um, in solidarity, you know, r- really being present, trying to, to do something about this situation. Um, any thoughts about that now? Yeah, I think the first thing is um, that people in whatever faith tradition need to not be afraid to have these conversations about just sitting down and not knowing what to do. Like, they need to not be afraid to sit down and say, we don't know what to do. Does anyone have any idea? Um, Because I think the situation is very jarring. Um, Is a lot of people are waking up for the first time about what America has been doing for, (laughs) since since its founding. Um, So I think that these conversations, if they're not being had, then there's no real solidarity that can be had even (coughs) mystically um, because our, our mysticism has to be truly tied into our um, our presence, not only our presence to God, but our presence to um, the people surrounding us um, because of that material connection um, between God and man. Um, and then the next part is that um, I really do believe in the power of prayer, but I don't know what it looks like. You know, I think growing up, I thought of like this kind of like, forgive me for... <laughs> this example but like a like a genie god like you like you rub the lamp and you get the wish if you say the right prayer if you say the right things um but really understanding like um, that intercession like praying for them more as a um choosing to be present in that sorrow with them um or sometimes even choosing to be present in that joy um that they're experiencing with them but not being afraid to enter in that space of a deep empathy um, where you are feeling broken and, and questioning um, what's happening around you. Um, so I think for me, that's what intercession feels like now, um, in different kind of view of, of God and who he is. And then the next thing is, like, I mean, this is obvious, but, like, donate to organizations that are on the border right now. I think what I said, um, I forget the name of the group, R-A-I-C-E-S, is um, president at the border in Kosecha. Is also present, and, and many other groups, many other people are going down there and just offering whatever they can um, to, to witness what's happening there um, because there isn't really much coverage. Um, and we, we aren't seeing this in like as much. Um, this isn't even something that's being talked about at like the Thanksgiving table when my, when my parents were like having dinner. Like, it's not something that's in like the mainstream uh, conversations that are happening. Uh, Margo, I like what you said about how it's okay just to say that we don't know what to do and to ask for help. <laughs> um, I think that's a really good starting point. And uh, yeah, your suggestions of uh, donating to races is good. Um, I think that's a good idea to kind of give to the people that are already there. It just kind of strikes me as a situation that, um, hmm, I, I don't know, like we don't know how to act. And I think that's what makes it kind of so tragic in the first place um, is that we just don't really know what to do. Um, I suppose the, the the advantage that sort of being people who are religious and leftist, um, are, you know, people who are both religious and leftist, uh, we have is that like we know how to lament and we know how to pray, and I guess that's the one thing we do have going for us. I kind of want to throw on something um, as a Lutheran. I think of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer a lot, um, and one of the things. He was famous for saying, "Is it's not our it's not our duty to 
or it's not necessarily our duty always, or it's not the goal. Can't get the exact quote in my head, but it's not the goal to bind up the wounds of those being crushed under the wheel. The goal is to drive a um, drive a wedge in spokes, stop it from functioning. Mm-hmm. The pe- tear gas is fired. Tear gas is made somewhere. It's not ice in this case, but as far as these broader issues go, I mean. Customs and Border Protection is it subcontracts to various companies to get done what needs to be done. These companies need to be held to account for the fact that they are enabling this. A lot of these um, wealthier right-wing right-wing groups that are going down to cause problems for the caravan. A lot of them are being funded in various ways and figuring out who's funding them is an essential thing. There's a lot of, it's not just necessarily about being physically where the most obvious aspect of this is happening, but also about looking at the various ways in which power operates to make that wheel turn and find your own place to drive um, something between the spokes of the wheel and try and get it um, to slow down if not stop. Yeah, I like that a lot too. And it, it, I think it has a certain force, uh, that Bonhoeffer quote coming from somebody who's in the IWW, um, driving the spoke in the wheel. Uh, just because, like, you know, I'm a communist. Like, I believe in the party. I think that there's got to be, like, a real sort of party-organized change. And, like, I'm all about it. I'm here for that. Um, but what I love and admire so much about the IWW is that the, the general philosophy just seems to me to be kind of like, well, yeah, party or no party, like, we got to get something done. Um and I think that's, like, really good advice to say that, like, you know, we should be thinking kind of long term um, and we should also be kind of looking for places where we can, like, gum up the works instead of just uh, waiting for the for the violence to happen or reacting or something like that. The other part of it is that there's this belief in direct action, in doing things in the here and now that actually change stuff. I mean, if enough pressure is thrown at... Um, the various, like, at say the tech companies that are enabling um, the surveillance state that ICE uses in order to um, more efficiently deport people. Um, that tech companies know that it's poison to touch ICE, then that's going to create a genuine, like, lasting change, too. Um, so there's um, this belief that sort of organizing ourselves to say, well, this thing needs to change, so let's go change it, is a crucial part. So the Magnificast is not a wildly popular podcast. I mean, a lot of people, a bunch of people listen to it, and that's nice, and that we appreciate that. I think something that the Magnificast does for people is kind of like um, gives them a list of resources for um, their own sort of expression of Christianity and leftism in their lives. And uh, I think uh, when we talk about Friendly Fire, people respond pretty positively and it's like something that they want to know more about. Um, so uh, for all the other people that are living you know, across the United States um, and not in Philadelphia specifically, like if they really want to sort of be a part of Friendly Fire or... Um, start organizing like with them or something uh, how, how they get involved with you all yeah so i think the first thing that you could do is uh, go to our website uh, to get in contact with us friendlyfirecollective.wordpress.com 
Um, and on there, you can find different ways to contact us. Um, and then if you want to know more about what's happening in Philadelphia right now, um, you can go to our um, Facebook page, which is Friendly Fire. Is it just Friendly Fire? It's not Friendly Fire Collective. It's just Friendly Fire. Friendly Fire Collective. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you know, for anyone who's interested in, you know, the upcoming retreat that we have been talking about uh, today, um, you can go to friendlyfireretreat.org. Um, right now, it's just a page, you know, talking briefly about what we're doing. Um, uh, you know, PayPal link for whoever feels like you know, donating money, but that'll also be where we're going to put information regarding to applying to actually going to the retreat as well as just additional information about, you know, the types of workshops and things that are going to be going on there as well. That's great. Um, well, we love hearing from, uh, from everybody in the Friendly Fire Collective that we've had a chance to, to chat with. Um, it's been fun to talk with Haysung, but also really fun to get um, a little bit more perspective from some other people and get some more, uh, some more like vantage points, I guess. Um, I think what you guys are doing is like really special. I don't know. I just always think of that. I'm really sort of bothered that other, uh, journalists don't seem to be picking that up hopefully they do soon enough um but in the meantime like thanks so much for coming and sharing a little bit with us and uh we really hope that people um support you guys financially and um spiritually as well uh, i think that like what you guys are doing is a really important thing in the world right now so yeah i mean like there's a danger in like us underestimating how very good friendly fire is. Um, and I just like, yeah, I don't really know what else to say except that I'm just like very grateful uh, that you all are, are present there. Um, and it makes me feel a little less alone in the world. Um, I've got a little bit of that friendly fire burning my own heart. I feel so, uh, <laughs> so thanks for the work you're doing. And also thanks for, for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to work with y'all continually on the retreat since that is a, a Christians for Socials and Project as well. Yeah, yeah, we're into it 100%. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Magnificast. If you like what you heard, you can find us at all the usual places. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Magnificast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're, uh, we've got an email. Um, we don't have a post office box, so I guess if that's your jam, too bad. Uh, also, a final announcement, at least for me, is uh, the course that I'm teaching in January is still accepting registrations. It's at ICS. It is called Organized Religion, Christianity and Anti-Capitalism in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, really excited to teach it. Some of the stuff that we talked about a little bit in this episode um, will have some relevance on that syllabus because we're going to talk about Friendly Fire a little bit at the very, very end, um, trying to contextualize some contemporary stuff in a long, long history of uh, Christians resisting capitalism. Oh, wait, Friendly Fire is actually on the syllabus? Yeah, the, the last class, uh, there's just like a couple of... Uh, newsletters that we'll go over and um from them and uh from christians for socialism and a couple other like news reports of different different activist groups whoa that is so cool <laughs> i know i know I, I did a great job um you should have, told, <laughs> you can should have told them that they're going to be academically studied I, that was a that should have been the wrap-up question that we <laughs> hmm. yeah we should have well next time <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> the the way to do that uh, to register for that class is to email uh, our registrar at academic 
registrar at icscanada.edu. Um, you can study the people in this episode and uh, email them all your questions, I guess. <laughs> cool. I wish I had a cool class to pitch to, but I don't. So uh, just take Dean's. Uh, there you go. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for honoring that non-compete clause. <laughs> yeah, uh, I regret signing it that I couldn't uh, have my other <laughs> my own Christian left class at a different university. Um, <laughs> oh well. Uh, cool. Well, uh, the intro music is from Amari Armstrong, and the outro music is from The Logical Spoon. And uh, thanks again to the Friendly Fire folks for um, talking talking with us and answering all our good questions and um, uh, letting Dean put them under the microscope and study them uh, as if they were, uh, you know, samples on a plate. All right. You can't really thank them because they didn't uh, give me permission. But, uh, that's um, true. Oh, hey, man. That's not cool. I mean, they're putting it out there in the world, so, you know just how it is that's how academia works that's true (laughs) uh well till next time keep that uh friendly fire burning in your heart (laughs) that's the my favorite song by the folk trio margo and michael (laughs) you stay up late in jackson you keep your hoods up where you keep your hoods up and you stay up late Oh, don't mind a cold night, but we might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still early. At least I would else are you gonna do? As we kissed in the alley by the Michigan theater, fall snow was blowing in the lights of the downtown. Saw a spark in your eyes, I just spoke it Said we're gonna turn this whole place upside down Then you said, my dear, do you really mean this? I said, I won't really know what I feel right now I said, Poor